Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossian church. And so there's lots more biblical material that we can get at, and we will. That won't be the last time that we visit that topic of the intersection of faith and work. I just think it's one of the most important topics that a church can address. So we'll, we'll get back there. We'll wrestle with it again and looking at different parts of Scripture. And in a certain way, I think we could actually say that uh, it's a bit of a transition from that Made for Monday series to the series Inspired and Expired. You see, we, uh, we were focused primarily on what it means for the Spirit to empower you in your work. What is our attitude toward work? How we're to understand work? How do we're to understand we are working for God? And where the Spirit plays a role in that. And, and now we're transitioning not from where the Spirit is at work just in your own life, but we're going to pivot just a bit and talk about the Spirit in our life, that is our collective life together as a church. How we should act, how we understand ourselves as the body of Christ, that's what the New Testament calls the church. How we are to understand ourselves not just as spirit-filled individuals, but as a spirit-filled community. What is the mission of the church that God has given us? So those are just some of the things that we're going to dig into in this series. And so this morning I, I just want to introduce and kind of provide a little roadmap for you about where we're going in the next six weeks. And if this uh, isn't scary enough for you, these six weeks will lead right to Advent, which will lead right to Christmas. That's terrifying to me. I can't believe we're that, that far through the fall already. But that's, uh, that's a good thing. We're well, well on our way. Ultimately, this series uh, comes out especially of, of some discussion and dialogue that our leadership has been having. And so before the summer, uh, we challenged our leadership to read a book together. It's this book by Canadian author, uh, theologian, and college president, Gary Nelson. It's called Borderland Churches. And so through the summer, our, our board and our elders and our staff read through this book. And we had different venues of discussion. And at the end of the summer, we came together, all together, to discuss the book a little bit more. And that was kind of kind of the launch pad for us to start these conversations about what does it mean for Oak Park to be the Church of Christ here in Cedar Bray, in the southwest part of Calgary, here and now in the 21st century. So that's where we're coming from, and, and this is now the opportunity to kind of widen that out, to broaden it out a little bit more, to include all of our community in this discussion. So you can hear some of the things that the leadership has been talking about, some of the ideas that they've had, some of the challenges that we've been facing, and you can add your own voice to it. So again, feedback is helpful. Bring these things to your life. Engage in them. Discuss them. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I mean, one of the, one of the challenges for whoever's preaching is the fact that we've been discussing this for several months now. These ideas don't necessarily seem new to us. So sometimes we skip by things too quickly, and some more clarification 
needs to be had. So let me begin just with uh, some honest hopes for this series, okay? Here's hope number one. I hope that at the baseline, this series challenges you to think about the church. It might not be something you've thought about a whole lot. Uh, maybe you're new to church. You never really gave it a second thought about why we do the things we do. Maybe you're not new to church and you haven't given it a second thought about why we do the things we do. Right? So I hope that it challenges you to think a little bit more about what is the church? Why is the church? What is the church about? What's its purpose? Why did God create something called the church? And when I, when I say church, by the way, I'm not merely talking about the four walls around us. I'm not talking about church architecture. There's plenty of that. No, I'm talking more about the function and the godly design for this community that God has instituted for his purposes. So I'm asking you this morning in this place to, to name that. Where are you at with your understanding of the church? Why do we have the church? What's kind of your preconceived ideas of what we do here and why we do it? At, at its root, I guess, I'm asking you to challenge those preconceived ideas of what is the mission of the church? That's the itch that we're trying to scratch in this series. Okay? What's it all about? What's the purpose here? Well, there's a second hope I have for the series. You see, I hope it doesn't just uh, push you to your understanding of the church kind of in abstract. But I hope that it pushes you and how you see yourself in this community, in this purpose. I hope it drives you deeper into the church. And here I'm specifically talking about this church. How can I be a part of it? If that's the mission, where do I fit? What role do I play? Last week we had our uh, intro to the park. I'm not trying to embarrass her, but... Um, Christine was sharing a little bit about coming to Oak Park and experiencing Oak Park. And she was uh, talking about Oak Park and she said, and, and your church. And then she stopped herself mid-sentence. And then she said, I, I, I mean my church. <laughs> it was a great moment. That's, that's what we're trying to get at. At what point does it become my church? What are we about? What has God called us to do together, collectively, here and now? Friends, I want you at the end of this series to own it. I want each and every one of us to be able to stand up, to step up, and say, yeah, this is my church, and this is what we're about. And this is where I fit. 
This is the role I play in that. And so here's my ultimate hope. At the end of this series, you're, you're not only wrestling with whatever, you've previous, whatever previously held image of the church you've had. I hope you're doing that too. That's important. And that informs some of those mission questions. But ultimately, I, I hope that you commit or that you recommit to being an active part of this church, Oak Park, and this vision. And so what is this kind of baseline vision that the leadership has been wrestling with and talking about over the summer and into the fall? Where, where could we begin with this? Well, I think, first of all, that it's important to say for, for myself, it's probably less of an image, less of a picture than it is a sort of rhythm or a pattern. Pictures and images and models of the church do a good job of, of capturing, capturing certain angles of the church, a certain side of what we're to be about. But in the end, pictures are static. And they can only capture that one side. And I worry that sometimes they can become a little bit reductionistic, you know. They limit the focus of what the church is and what the church is about. Let me lay out a few images for you of the church that have been used through Christian history to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. In the medieval age, the church was known as a hospital for sin-sick souls. That's cool. I like that. A hospital for sin-sick souls. And obviously that's not something we want to lose in the church today. I want that. I need that to be a part of the church. It's very clear from Scripture that this community of believers is intended to be a place of safety, a refuge, a secure place in the world around us that nurses us back spiritual health. In Mark 2, Jesus uh, saying to the religious leaders of the day or who, who are kind of gossiping behind his back about him eating with sinners and tax collectors, he says, it's not for the healthy that I have come. Well, they don't need a doctor. It's for the sick. And so just as it was part of Jesus' mission to treat the sick, so too is it ours as the church. Pope Francis recently has used this image kind of in a new way, which I really like. He's, he's talked about it as a field hospital after battle. It's a good image of that spiritual warfare that goes on in our culture. But again, it's only part of the picture, right? Or what about the early church? The early church liked to talk about the church in one way as, as the ark. That's interesting, isn't it? Just like Noah's ark. The picture, the picture of the church here is that it's, it's kind of tucked away in the recesses of God. That God's uh, providence or his, his caring power keeps it safe, keeps it afloat, keeps us secure inside. The North African church and the early church really liked this image especially. And again, I think it's a, a very appropriate way to see the church. I think we should see it 
the Noah's Ark as a type of the church is, is a wonderful way to read Scripture. But again, it just doesn't feel quite comprehensive enough, does it? And so what about the, uh, the early Americans, the Puritans and the Pilgrims? Well, they like to talk about the church as a city on a hill. Those 17th and 18th century Christians were attracted to this idea that in the new world they could be a beacon of hope a nation that was a city on a hill for the world. The phrase, again, is straight out of the mouth of Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, where he tells his followers that they are to be the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. The church as shining and elevated, set apart from the world, once again, I think that's a great image for part of the church. But it's still a little bit static, I think. More recently, in the 20th century, we've kind of slipped into some of this language about business and corporation. So there was a lot of talk by evangelists like Billy Graham as the church is in the business of saving souls. And again, there's something essentially important about that idea. That is what we're about. We aren't merely a social service agency. We aren't merely a social club. We are a church, and in God's plan for the world, the church is called to partner with God in saving souls. But of course, to understand the church as a business with a product to sell is not always the most helpful image either, is it? So these are just a few images that the history of the church has used to talk about itself, to understand what it's all about, what its mission is. This morning I want to offer you just one more, one more that I hope is a little bit more dynamic, a little less static. For this I want us to turn to John 20. In John 20, you'll remember, uh, is, is the first, is John's account of the resurrection story. It's my favorite of all the Gospels of the accounts of the resurrection. Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb and realizes the stone is rolled away, right? And so she hurries back and she tells Jesus' disciples, his closest followers, and two of them run, and one runs ahead, and they get there, and it's empty, and they're puzzled. And they don't know why. And they don't know what's happened. And they're scared. And they're confused. And the men leave. And Mary is left there. And there's an angel behind her that speaks to her. And when she turns, she thinks she sees who? She thinks she sees the gardener, right? But it's Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. And he speaks to her. And she calls him teacher. Right? And she runs back. She can't wait to tell the followers of Jesus. He's alive! He's not dead. He's alive. And they don't know what to do with that information. They're still kind of hanging out together. They haven't lost all hope, but they're skeptical. And soon after that, they're meeting together, locked room, right? John makes sure to tell us it's a locked room. 
And in comes Jesus into that room. And he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, he says to his followers. As the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. That's their commission. That's their calling. And then, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What a strange scripture. <laughs> Peace be with you. As the Father is sending me, so now I am sending you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Friends, one particular way, I think a very profound way, is to say that the church starts here. This is ground zero. This is where something new begins that we call the church. This is the commissioning of the leaders of the church from Jesus' own lips. This is the endowment of the advocate that he has promised, that promised Holy Spirit that would be with them, that would be a presence of God, that would carry out this mission alongside them. Without a doubt, this scripture is the best place to start for what we want to call the inspired and expired mission of the church. The term inspire is a, is a very popular one in our culture, isn't it? It's kind of trendy. Artists are inspired. Uh, I'm inspired when I finally clean the kitchen. The sun rises this week, if you caught any of them. They were inspiring, weren't they? Beautiful. Anytime uh, there's stories of overcoming obstacles, we call them inspiring stories, right? The word actually means to be filled with breath or filled with the Spirit. Quite literally, we could say inspirited, inspired. And it captures this idea of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Just as Jesus breathed the Spirit onto those first disciples, we are collectively filled with that Holy Spirit as members of the church. That's what it means to be a member of the church. To be in spirit. And so when we inhale deeply, we are being filled with that spirit. And for the church, that means being inspired, divinely inspired. But if we left it at that, it, it would be a relatively self-serving vision, wouldn't it? And that's why Jesus carries on and gives his followers a, a mission to go along with it. That they are to carry the spirit into the world. As the Father has sent me, so he says. As I have been filled with the Spirit to breathe it out upon you, so it is your calling as the church to breathe out the Spirit upon the world. In the same way that Jesus' life is filled or inspired by the Holy Spirit, He gives it away, breathes it out. And so we are called to that same mission. And so if it seems a little bit morbid to call it expiring or expired, 
I don't think that's really accidental either. This painting, this painting is of that scene, of the, the Spirit being breathed on those followers in that locked room. The painting is done by a Japanese artist. His name is uh, Soichi Watanabe. Uh, you, you may not realize, but the Christian faith is exploding in different parts of Asia right now. Uh, behind the United States, the South Koreans are sending more missionaries to the world than any other country. It's incredible to think about. They've only had the gospel for a couple centuries. It, it's possible, we don't know for sure, but it's possible that there are more Chinese Christians in China than there are Christians in any other country in the world. Despite a political regime that wants nothing to do with Christianity. But Japan is a little bit different. Japan uh, expelled Western missionaries in the 16th century. And they've been unfriendly to the faith ever since. We have close friends who are missionaries in, in the north part of Japan and I can't use their names if it's being recorded because it will put them in danger. But they will tell you how difficult of the work it is. But Watanabe, when he was an undergrad in college, found a small group of Christians who were meeting in a home. And they were studying the Bible, and, and so he decided that he would go and check it out and hear about it. And he was uh, growing in his faith and he was beginning to understand what the gospel was all about. And then they read Mark 8.35. And in that context of that home church, that verse changed his whole life. Mark 8.35 says, For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. And everything Soichi Watanabe has done since then has been about that reality. Friends, the church is called to lose its life. Self-preservation is is not what God calls the church to. He calls the church to faithful witness, to faithful presence, to faithful self-sacrifice. The church as inspired, spirit-filled community is not called to hold its breath. It is not called to contain the Spirit of God. The church is called... Breathe it out. To breathe out that spirit that the world needs so desperately. And, and not just a little bit either, right? We are called to breathe deep and let it all expire. Let it all out. To lose our lives for his sake and for the sake of the God. No one said that the mission of the church was easy. 
It's not an institution that we're called to prop up or to carry on in any way. It's a divine pattern. It's a rhythm, a way of life that a group of people are called to live together. Inspired and expired. Our lungs expand and they contract. They fill up and they empty out. In fact, this is still the way that some medical textbooks put it. Inspire, expire, repeat. Inspire, expire, repeat. Inspire, expire, repeat. I see, it's not a static image, is it? It's a pattern that continues, that goes on and on. The church is designed by God to be gathered in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then scattered, sent out, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As bearers, as literally as carriers of the Spirit of God. With the intention that we expire. That we breathe it all out. To the world that needs it so desperately. This summer... Um, I was doing a bit of teaching at Double VM Camp, which is a camp associated with our churches uh, near Lumbee. And, um, and I was doing teaching on the church, and I was actually using Nelson's book a little bit, and George Graffender was there with his two youngest kids, and uh, we, were, uh, we were talking about this kind of image, and it struck me how appropriate the kids' craft time was. They were building these bottle rockets, Okay, but I'll show you a really quick video. There's no sound, I don't think, to the video, and it's really hard to see, so I need to explain it a little bit. Um, this is just a picture I found online. It's very similar. If, uh, if you know Bob Williams, who runs the camp, he is like the most engineer mind I've ever met. He's, he's got all these systems uh, making electricity from the water and all these pumps and everything, and he rigged up this bottle rocket not just to a, a bike pump, but to a large air compressor. <laughs> Very large air compressor. So it was a little bit of a shock to me when I came out and my three young children were building these rockets, but yeah, that's great. And so what he, he's done is he has this stand and he, he built these two liter uh, bottles that would fly. The kids built these actually. And then he has a nozzle on the end and he fills up the air compressor, and then he tells the kid there's like a pull cord. And the pull cord kind of releases, it's a quick release valve at the bottom. And as it quick releases, all that built up air comes shooting out the bottom, and that rocket goes up. We're talking, uh, we're talking several hundred feet, some of them travel. It was incredible. Best camp craft time you could imagine for my kids. My kids still talk about it. What a great image to be inspired and expired. To have that air compressor hooked up and for that spirit to build up within us as a church. But not just for that sake. Not just so it can stay there pressurized, but that so it can be released for the mission of God. 
to let that spirit out upon the world. And so this series is called Inspired and Expired, and it's about the church and it's about the Holy Spirit, but it's not about the four walls of the church. It's first about the practices that God has given us in which he has promised to endow us, to fill us, to grace us with his Holy Spirit. And then it's about mine, and it's about your role in shaping the particulars of that mission. What does it look like for Oak Park to be inspired and to expire where we are today? Let me just give you a little outline of the series. The next two weeks, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to be inspired. We're going to talk about... Uh, why we do some of the things we do. What is Sunday morning all about? Why do we do these sort of same practices each week, in and out? Maybe that's not something you've really thought about. Maybe, maybe you know why. It's always good to have a reminder. And so we're going to talk through some of those and what it means that God has promised His Holy Spirit in those practices. And then the week after that, Martin's going to bring a message about uh, what it means to be inspired through community. How important that is for the mission of God. We aren't just individuals out there on our own, but that God has created us to be filled with the Holy Spirit collectively. And that's uh, corporately on Sundays, that's in smaller groups. Community. And then the three weeks after that, and we haven't set the, uh, the exact dates on these yet, but we're going to talk about what it might mean for us to expire. And we're going to do that under three categories. We expire for the next generation. Again, it's not about self-sustaining. It's about giving ourselves away. And we do that for the church of our children and their children. And we're going to talk about what it means to expire in our local neighborhood. What does it mean to give of ourselves here in Cedar Bray in the southwest part of the city? And then we're going to talk about what it means to expire by giving ourselves to our global partners. That we aren't just a church here and now, but actually we're connected to the wider church, the universal church around the world. I want to close this morning by uh, telling you a little story about Dawn, Mrs. D. Pastor Don. As you heard, she wears many hats around here. And I'm, I'm constantly amazed by her ability to kind of seamlessly go between those roles. Ultimately, I'm, I'm really honored and privileged to work with her and see how she treats people. It's a gift that God has given her. And often she's the first one to greet people when they come through our door. A couple weeks ago, uh, she greeted a group of young men, three of them, and they were having a rough time. Uh, they came in and, and they were having not just a bad day, but it had been several bad weeks in a row. And without missing a beat, with all the pastoral care in the world, Don just set about caring for their needs. She fixed them something to eat. She got them something warm to drink. But beyond that, she, she listened. 
She heard their story, and she heard what they were struggling with. And she prayed with them. And after praying with them, one of the young men looked up and said, What's wrong with you? Don was kind of taken back a little bit and said, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand. He said, Who cares this much? Nobody cares that much, he said. Why do you care? Nobody should care about me. I love Don's answer. I'll paraphrase it a little bit. Caught off guard, she just turned to him and said, we love because Jesus loved us. Friends, as a church, I can't think of a better accusation against us. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with that church? Why do they care so much? That's what opens that possibility for us to say, we are a community that has been loved. We can love out of that love. We have been given and filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can give it away. That's what we're about. That's our whole job. That's what we're called to do. We love because the one who loved us so much breathed his last on that cross and filled us with the Holy Spirit. Before our ushers come and collect the offering this morning, I just wanted to say a word of thanks. I wanted to say thank you for your faithful giving. It's been a lot of transition this year for this community. At the same time, it, it's been a very difficult year in our local economy. We're aware of that. We know that. We're praying about that. We want to walk alongside you with that. And I, I know that we're still behind in our budget, but our giving has increased through the year. And friends, I just want to say I'm so excited about the things that we get to do with those finances that you give. And we don't take it for granted. We're deeply thankful for your generosity. If, if you're new or visiting, this is kind of a family thing. This is something we do together. Feel free to let the plate pass you by. Let me pray for our offering. Father, you have given us so much. So often we take it for granted. So often we don't take stock of it. So often we live with, in an economy of scarcity when you have given us an economy of abundance. And so now as these tithes and offerings are given, we ask that you bless them, that you multiply them, that you help us, give us wisdom to use them wisely so that we are good stewards of what you have given us. We thank you for your church. We're humbled by the mission that you have given for us. In your son's name we pray.